Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Don't let his bark fool you. Roy has a softer side, too. This is The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. You can uh, send your emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com, Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. And follow me on Twitter at The Roy Green Show. I, if you want to hear that whole interview with the Federal Minister of Health, by the way, on Thursday I, uh, afternoon, I again tweeted a link to the interview. So if you just go back on uh, at The Roy Green Show. Go back to my tweets from Thursday. You'll find the link to the 17-minute interview with Minister Phil Pott. There are, it's, it's amazing. It really is amazing, the numbers of of contacts that are coming in. And it's terrifying to read what these pain patients are writing. I was up the other night at 3 o'clock in the morning reading them. It just breaks your heart. It really does. It makes you angry, too. All right, moving along with the show. A Canadian, Amor Fatui, uh, is responsible or was being charged with the terrorist knife attack on a police officer in Flint, Michigan. And United States media with the security and terrorism analysts I've been watching on TV the last couple of days, they're uh, looking at Canada and talking about this country as a country of concern as far as potential terrorists living here is concerned. It's not the first time we've heard that, of course. With me, uh, Dr. Zudi Jasser, a regular contributor to the program. We appreciate it greatly. Former United States Navy Lieutenant Commander, I've got to give you the Canadian pronunciation, founder of the American Islamic Forum for Democracy, and he's the author of The Battle for the Soul of Islam. Zudi, good to talk to you. Oh, it's great to be with you. Thanks for having me, Roy. Rahil Raza, Pakistani-Canadian journalist, media consultant, anti-racism activist, human rights activist, interfaith discussion leader. She's also the author of Their Jihad, Not My Jihad, and always, always directly speaks her mind. Rahil, it's uh, just like with with Zudi, it's, it's always an honor to speak with you. Thank you so much for having us, uh, Roy, and hello, Zudi. I'm sorry, I didn't hear what you said the last part. I, I said thank you for having us. Okay. Um, having a little bit of trouble with my headphones or my ears, one or the other. The attack in Flint, so let me start with you. What's being said in the United States, that it's a Canadian issue or that it's a, a, a jihadist ISIS issue? Is Canada being looked at with more concern? What's being said? What's going on? Well, I think two things. First of all, you have to look at what he said uh, before he tried to kill the officer. He said, you've killed people in Syria, Iraq, and Afghanistan, and we're all going to die. Uh, they're looking at this uh, similar to uh, Mohammed Boulel, who committed the act in Nice. He was also of Tunisian origin, had been radicalized not only from Tunisia but in prison. Uh, this guy, uh, uh, surprising, uh, had a family of three, almost 50 years old, so he doesn't fit some of the profile. But bottom line is, is he was radicalized by a theopolitical ideology that demonized the West, 
uh, didn't look at uh, Syria, Afghanistan, and Iraq as Muslim problems, but looked upon it as conspiratorial issues. From the Canadian perspective, uh, the only thing I've seen talk is, you know, the the border issue. He drove in uh, from Canada, drove through uh, uh, Pennsylvania, into New York, drove through Pennsylvania, Ohio, and then somehow landed in Flint and, and committed this act to attack police officers uh, and uh, obviously was motivated as part of the global jihad. So um, I, I think it's sort of the same thing we see in Europe where these people traverse different con- different countries in the EU and are not uh, found and uh, at the time we could have found them at the border, uh, there was no attention to uh, ideo- ideology. We still don't know that much about his background to see if there were any red flags, if he was a known wolf or not. Uh, but uh, a lot of this is being looked at. Rahil, does this individual, and the, the fact that he's 49 years of age, does this raise any flags with you? And I, I just want to f- I'll, I'll complete my question by adding I just happened to, simultaneously, as I was going over this this story, just happened to find your open letter to Canadians in 2014 or 15. Is is there a connection? What what does this say to you, this attack? Well, um, there are a couple of things that come to mind. Uh, First of all, uh, the fact that uh, there are uh, jihadist cells in Canada and that our youth have been radicalized and that there are problems. Uh, is nothing new. This is something that has been investigated. If you read security reports, speak to the um, security agents, you will know that there has always been concern about Canada being considered a sort of a safe haven by the jihadists because, um, you know, the laws are lax. There is a sort of a porous border uh, where they have gone back and forth. So, uh, you know, this is nothing new. It doesn't come as a surprise. Uh, however, uh, I also find sometimes that when the focus is on, you know, where was the person from, you know, from Canada, America, Europe, it uh, takes away from, from the real issue that we need to be talking about. You know, uh, they say lone wolf, but the ideology is the same for all of them. We just need to connect the dots, and the bigger question that we need to be asking is not whether he was from Canada or whether he was a lone wolf. The jihadists would have uh, plan this global uh, sort of global attack against the West will keep on erupting from anywhere that they can. The question is, uh, as Azudi put it so well, is the geopolitical ideology that is fueling them. Uh, you know, who is radicalizing them? Where are they getting this, these messages from? And how quickly can we fan out the flames of this uh, ideology? How can we find ways in which we can tackle the ideology that lies at the root cause of the radicalization that eventually leads to terrorism? Now, supporters mean absolutely nothing to these individuals. No, they border- don't mean anything. Now, borders mean something to us, but not to them. They have no borders. They have an ideology. Yes, and the West, uh, you know, blanketly is their enemy. So whether it's Europe, whether it's UK, America, Canada, they will keep on popping up. It's a whack game. Uh, you know, you put out one fire, they will pop up somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But I still don't see as much the focus on the ideology, on, you know, what it, where is that coming from. In many cases, these are people who were born and brought up in the West. They have been taught this. Uh, the messaging is coming from, uh, you know, locals. We need to tackle that issue first before we start uh, asking questions about where they have come from. Radicalizing doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. And, and so clearly there are 
individuals and there are, I would imagine, organizations that are actively engaging and radicalizing. And now, unless our authorities are completely asleep at the switch, or unless they're completely wrapped up in political correctness and are afraid to step forward because if they say, we believe that there's something untoward going on here and we need to address it, um, unless both of those things are happening, then there's total confusion everywhere. Zudi, Let me make a quick, sorry, yeah. a quick mention here because it ties in exactly to, to what you're saying. You know, the Quebec Premier, uh, Koyad, made a comment which was on the front page of the National Post yesterday in which he said that Muslims are responsible also for looking out for what is happening within their communities. He's been slammed and been called racist, you know, for uh, associating Islam and terror. The point is that that is exactly what we have been saying, that reformist Muslims, Muslims facing tomorrow, our organizations, is that we have to stand up uh, to the plate and also take some responsibility for what's happening within our communities because the future of our next generations depends on it. But, of course, we've got M103, we've got the whole Islamophobia, victim ideology, boogeyman. So you're right, political correctness and fear stops people from speaking out. They get slammed as being racist and bigots. Sudi, what about that? Is, is, is political correctness and the, and the fear of being labeled hold, stopping people, even qualified authorities may understand that here's an individual who is problematic or here is a, 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 an organization that we believe is problematic. Are they taking a hands-off attitude because of political correctness? Is that, is that one of the issues or is that not an issue at all? Oh, it's a, it's a major issue because what it does is it prevents the engagement with the ideas that are the underbelly. And let me tell you the classic hypocrisy. You know, many of us, as much as I, I think it's a very proportionally different issue, when you saw the attack in uh, London against the Finsbury Mosque uh, or the attack in Quebec where six Muslims were killed by a racial supremacist, uh, nobody wants to disconnect fascist ideas with the end point of violence. Now, proportionally, global jihadism far, far is a bigger threat to the West than this racial supremacism. But on the one hand, the left wants to connect the ideas of racial uh, of bigotry to the violent acts, and yet they don't want to connect political Islam, uh, Islamist supremacy, uh, an inability to criticize clerics and others to the militancy that ends up inspiring the people like the Flint terrorists. And at the end of the day, organizations like Raheels and ours in America and others, you know, we can do things in America. There's a huge moral responsibility that the prime minister and our and uh, President Obama prior to Trump and others are abrogating, which is we can do things to counter and reform Islam and, and defeat Islamism that you just can't do in Iraq and Syria. So there is a moral imperative to address these things, not only just these whack-a-mole issues, but to try to do things in Islamic organizations. And it's not only countering militancy, but promoting Canadian ideas, Canadian values, American values. That promotion will stomp out these ideas that this guy screamed as he tried to kill that officer. Mm. It's not just saying, well, he's wrong. It's actually promoting the ideas of Canadian freedom and liberty. If you bring up the issue of Canadian values, uh, you can be accused of, and you will be accused of by some, of being of using that as a racist tool. And and that's what happened when I brought up the issue of Canadian values. And I will again on our on our hundred and fiftieth birthday, what Canadian values are. 
And we've talked about it in a pretty in an objective and straightforward way. But somebody will always jump on it and say, "Ah, oh, you're using that in order to attack minorities." I, it was the furthest thing from my mind, but it's not the furthest thing from their minds. Now, when we come back, I want to ask you both, please, if what, for example, this federal government in Canada did this year has a significant role to play in what's developing and what we've seen, and that is of the Prime Minister of Canada, and it was his initiative, he said so in 2015 in Winnipeg, it was his initiative that dual citizens who are convicted of a criminal offense, of a terrorism offense in Canada, will not have their Canadian citizenship taken away. The previous government of Stephen Harper had legislation where if you were a dual citizen and convicted of a, of a terrorist act, you could lose your citizenship. As the leader of the so-called Toronto 18 did, their plan was to blow up truck bombs in downtown Toronto in morning rush hour. So the Harper government took away his Canadian citizenship. His other, other citizenship is Jordanian. Trudeau said, we're not going to do that because a Canadian is a Canadian is a Canadian. And so they passed legislation, I think it's Bill C-6, and so he gets his Canadian citizenship back. It may be a small item. It may be negligible with the whole argument. I don't know. I'll ask you both about it when we return. Compassionate, caring, and cuddly. This is The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. A week ago, Bill Cosby's sexual assault trial ended in a mistrial, a hung jury, and now Cosby is out, or is going to be out, on tour and talking about how to avoid accusations of sexual assault by more than 50 women. Mr. Cosby, you know and I know that Bill Cosby is being advised by a crisis manager, and this is leading toward his next trial and it's trying to set the stage for the Cosby, the victim. We'll talk to Gloria Allred, the uh, famous civil rights lawyer, who was with us last weekend, and uh, one of her clients actually spoke at, uh, testified at the, uh, at the uh, Cosby trial two weeks ago. Back to the issue of terrorism, political correctness, uh, radicalizing, and what role this country plays, or what role we play in, in, in reminding Canadians what Canada's about. And this brings us, uh, Dr. Zudi Jasser and Raheel Raza, this brings me to the question of Justin Trudeau making lots of noises about a Canadian is a Canadian is a Canadian and firmly standing and bragging about not removing the citizenship of a dual Canadian citizen who was convicted of terrorism or, you know, preparing to commit a terrorist act. To me, this is a unconscionable decision by the Prime Minister. Rahil, what do you say to that? And I've said this before, and I will repeat it, that I find it personally very offensive uh, that the idea of citizenship can be taken so lightly. For me, citizenship is something that comes with a great sense of responsibility. And you talked about Canadian values. We need to talk more about Canadian values. I can tell you that my family and I came here 30 years ago to embrace the Canadian values of uh, liberal democracy, uh, small and liberal, of uh, freedom of expression, of religious freedom, of uh, freedom of speech, and a separation of church and state. And if we don't talk about this, how will our children grow up with a sense of loyalty to the land in which we live? And let's not forget that intolerance and hate that is taught to young people is what eventually leads to violence. And uh, I find sometimes 
that this idea of wanting to be liked by the whole world is, uh, causes Canadians to be a bit in, uh, intolerant. Uh, uh, sorry, causes them to be tolerant of intolerance. And that is something that we can never allow to happen. We must always speak out against evil, against hate. And uh, if a terrorist is going to harm this country, I don't see why their Canadian citizenship should not be revoked. So it's it's really a contentious issue with me. So do you, you had a president for eight years who talked a lot about tolerance and who received a lot of mainstream uh, media uh, blessing for being a tolerant, inclusive president. You now have President Trump, who's accused of being a racist and anything but tolerant. What's the truth of it, and what's what's your concept, or what's your what's your assessment of Mr. Trudeau saying, no, you can't lose your citizenship because a Canadian is a Canadian is a Canadian? Well, I can't tell you how important, Roy, this issue is. It's at the center of why we're losing the war. We might be winning the battle in Iraq now and also maybe in Syria finally, but at the end of the day, the battle globally that we're losing is one of identity. And the only antidote to this global caliphate uh, that has a constituency of 1.6 billion Muslims that are going to be struggling between either belonging to a global jihad, where citizenship means that if you serve in the military, you then belong to a jihad, or they're raised like me, where I served in the military because the only country I belong to and would want to serve for or die for is America or a Western country like Canada. So at the end of the day, this issue of identity, the left and those who want to dilute citizenship into meaning nothing are surrendering, surrendering to political Islam and the Islamic State identity. It's not only ISIS, any Islamic State, be it Saudi Arabia, Pakistan, Iran, those Islamic States based in Sharia teach their citizens that bigger than the identity of their secular, non-secular state, but theocratic state, is one belonging to the jihad. And until we start, and, and it's been an absence of leadership. So with an absence of leadership, as we saw under Obama and under Trudeau, we've had sort of this whiplash where now there's been a nativist response with hyper-nationalism and nativism. And I hope Trump can recalibrate some of that nativism to really talk about American values, American exceptionalism. What do we stand for in the world? How do we counter uh, the the Islamist tendency to embrace Muslims that want to belong to their countries rather than simply saying America first. What does America mean? And those values are what I think can finally begin to win the global war that we've so far been missing in action about. Dr. Zudi Jasser, Rahil Raja, thank you both very much for joining us today and happy Eid to you both. Thank you. Thanks, Sean. God bless. Thank All you. All the best. We'll come back and uh, tell you some more about what's coming up for the rest of the program today on The Green Show. Stay with us.